one. And we are back with another episode of On the Bench with Beeks. This is episode 34. I am your host, Cody Beekman. With me, as always, is Don't Think Twice Bryce McMillan. Never think twice. How's it going, boys? And I've got Swooping Albatross Ross Moormeyer. I'm, I'm swooping. And I'm flying. Swooping on in. Unfortunately, Daniel Beatty could not be with us tonight. He's got some stuff to deal with. Um, uh, our thoughts and uh, positive vibes go to his girlfriend right now, Mariatha. She's not yep. feeling too good. So uh, uh, let's hope for a very quick recovery and hope uh, she comes home soon. Yeah. As our buddy Augie always says, just knee high, waist high. Shin high slappies, like always posy yeah. uh, in these situations. Absolutely. All good vibes for everybody, Daniel. Yeah. All good vibes, and to Mary out there as well, of course. Uh, I mean, uh, we uh, we love you guys, so uh, get well soon. Yep. All right, boys. Well, we've got a we've got a spectacular episode uh, just waiting for us to tear into it. So let's get into it with a little bit of hockey day in history. Uh, let's go, Bryce, this time for the first. Ooh. Alrighty, right on. Thanks, boys. So, got one right here, a little close to my Colorado heart. Um, Our Colorado hearts? Big OCO hearts, me and you, Cody. Uh, uh, well, you're leaving Ross out, too? Well, Ross is Ducks fan, so he doesn't count. He's a nice fan, too, don't you? Uh, I guess he's second. Don't judge. Season tickets, Mom. Alright, fine. Ross is also an ass fan. I'll give it to him. Although, hey. although I do want to say he does wear a fucking Ducks jersey every time they Play. And right yeah. now he's wearing yeah. a camo ducks hat. Not no purple, no orange. Oh, he wears that, that hat like every day. It's my it's my bowling hat. I'm kidding. That's right. We love Ross. We love Ross. But let me go on ahead and go in with to my this day in hockey history. So um what happened was um Colorado Avalanche retired Patrick Waugh's number thirty three sweater um in a pregame ceremony and later on the in the night they went on to win a game uh four to two over the Calgary Flames and that happened on this day, October twenty eighth in two thousand three. You know what I love about uh the retired numbers for the Avalanche is that it is an actual line of hockey. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. You've got you've got three offensemen, two defensemen, and a goalie. That's yep. like and and when people ask ask me like what what's your top Colorado Avalanche line? I kind of just like uh, I just uh, nod those off. I'm like, well, it's got to be these because yeah. they're the numbers that are hanging up in the rafters. Oh yeah, top five hockey hall of fame right there, Colorado. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and even the Ducks are supposed to start getting into that. I've heard rumors that J.S. Jaguar might be going up to the rafters. Uh, I'm, super, I'm surprised the Ducks haven't gotten jiggy with it yet. Right. Me neither. All right, Ross. What you got, bud? Well, um, I've got Wayne Gretzky was picked up uh, two assists to become the first player in NHL history to get 1,100 career assists. Oh yeah, that's no big deal. Uh, yeah. Sarcast, sar- that uh, do mind everybody that's listening. That comes with sarcastrophes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a huge deal. That's just insane. That's why he's the great one. Oh, yeah. It is. You know, being able to pass the puck, being able to be able to set people up is such a big part of the sport, right? Yeah. I mean, not only did he score goals, but he was able to set people up, 
create plays yeah. and make things happen. And uh, that's just a big part of the sport. And one more reason why Gretzky is a great one. Right? Well, yeah. And he always believed, which was instilled in him, which I always love, is that an assist is more important than a goal. Yeah, exactly. Where do you, uh, where where did where, that puck come from? Yeah, where's the open guy, basically? Yeah, but that that happened on this day in October twenty eighth, and a lot of the time too, he was and, behind the net setting people up. Oh, that's his office. Yeah, that's, that's, office. That's, that's his yeah. office, man. But yeah, no, it was the twenty eighth of nineteen eighty eight that that happened. So nice. All right. Well, uh, what I got here for you, uh, October twenty eighth, nineteen seventy eight. Bobby Orr scored his 270th and final goal of his NHL career during the Chicago Blackhawks 72 loss to the Detroit Red Wings at Olympia Stadium. Oh boy, it's all right. Wow. It's the Red Wings. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they lost to yeah. the Red Wings. So it's all right. At the time, they're a very good team. At the time. At the time. At, at the, the time. time. Well, this is not anymore. Sorry, not anymore. <laughs> Well, I mean, either way, Bobby Orr, last goal, October 28th, 1978. Boom. Boom. All right. So this past week, we did have a pretty pretty massive loss to the hockey community. Uh, Joey Moss, the longtime locker room attendant for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, passes away at 57. And my heart goes out to his family, guys. I mean, and everyone out there, like... He sounded like he was just an amazing personality in and out of the rock locker room. So I mean, just looking at what happened here, I mean, I mean, just looking at his history, he was kind of like a glue for the locker room in a sense. Yeah, actually, oh, I yeah. mean, you got so you have so many extremely uh, notable professionals like Kelly Buckberger. I mean, Wayne Gretzky even got him his job. You know, I mean, uh, even Taylor Hall. And uh, all these pros coming and uh, coming out and just saying what an incredible influence he was and just uh, uh, all around incredible person. Well, and even the Ducks coach, he coached over in Edmonton uh, as an assistant, if I remember correctly. And he, yeah, he was really downtrodden about that because he was just an amazing voice in the locker room. He said he yeah. was just a staple for that whole entire team. Well, and what's and that, that's huge. I mean, just to be you know, you know, you're you're a locker room attendant, you know, uh, which actually we uh, got a lot of had uh, uh, op- opened our eyes with that interview with Nick Meldrum. Actually, has a lot to do with lo- the locker rooms in general. Oh yeah, and I mean to be such a huge influence on the guys going out there and playing hockey is huge. Well, yeah, and even as long as he's done it, because he got, what was it, hired with the Edmonton Oilers, as we talked about, in 85, 86? 82, 83. 82, 83. So he's seen five cup, he's seen five cups. Like, championship, I mean, Wayne Gretzky, the story behind that, I mean, if you don't know people, his aunt had Down syndrome. And they took her in instead of putting him, her in the basically the hospital system. And basically, yeah, he grew up and knew how to, I mean, not even deal with Down syndrome and just people with those types of like disabilities, but just 
treat everybody like that probably gave him kind of something in his heart where you treat everybody equally well, and, and, and it says that in that interview well that sh- it shows incredible character by Wayne you know oh, yeah because he saw him at uh, what was it I don't know if you read the article uh, he he's actually dating um, his, uh, his sister yeah and he always saw him at the bus stop leaving right around the Edmonton Oilers arena at that time and he asked I think it was the GM or somebody that yeah and just reading on it, I mean, Gretzky advised the team to give Moss a tryout as a locker room attendant, and he ultimately yep. held the position for almost three decades, 30 years. Guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's seen five cups, and that was in 84, 85, 87, and 90. And I was, you know, this is a story. Just that to... might be, oh, what was it, 89 as well? No, 90. 90. 90. Okay. And just a good story, just a good story about him, you know, that I was reading on um, when everything happened was in 2006 when the Oilers made a great playoff run, actually. Didn't win the Cup, made a great playoff run. Um, you know, he just, he had a hernia at the time, a hernia. And he decided to postpone his operation just so that way he could be in the locker room, be with the guys, do his job. Um, and, you know, he postponed that hernia surgery just so we could be there and see that. I did and, read that. And that's, that's what I call jam. That yeah. is jam right there. It's very much jam. I think, you know, you look at a hockey player, you play tough, you play through your injuries, things like that. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, again, talking about the glue of the locker room, he, uh, he definitely showed a lot of spirit. And I think, you know, this is a great story, you know, just about himself. You know, and the work ethic, and just as a hockey player, he, even though he didn't play on the ice with the team, he had an NHL mentality. Yeah. And, and not to mention, he's, I mean, Joey, he, uh, he, I mean, yeah, he became this incredible glue in the locker room, yeah. but he became such an incredible bas- ambassador. Of the for, sport. For, yeah. no, well, not just the sport, but, I mean, uh, the community living uh, living with Down syndrome. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's... He, the guy, the guy's uh, household name in in the community, and like what he's done to you know uh, spread o- awareness and just really show people that you know people living with disabilities are not different than anybody oh, else. Hell no, you know, and uh, that's and I mean, just as a person living with a dis- disability myself, I. I I I kind of I I gotta say I look up to the guy because he's oh, yeah. made such incredible strides like, strides for uh for a community that kind of gets looked down upon because they're you know uh, because maybe a society's uh, you know prejudice or I for the la- for lack of a better word prejudice or you know maybe they're just scared to really understand what it's like or to even get uh get to know somebody living with a disability yeah, yeah. and for him to make an, uh, such incredible strides for that community i i just got to say i um i'm i'm forever indebted to him because he's oh, yeah. made huge waves for uh you know folks living with disabilities Totally, and you know, just on that kind of point, though, let's not overlook what he did for the team. I mean, some of his duties were, you know, it was cleaning after locker and after games, practices, handing towels out, um, giving people water, running errands for equipment managers, like Sparky Kluchinski. So those are the kind of people that you know, and the things that he did. And so don't overlook what the things he did. You know, very important, important things. Yeah. No. And I was gonna say, I'm gonna correct myself. It was. 
84, 85, 87, 88, and 90 that he there saw that. And just, you know, he had, as you said, that jam. And I think that he just brought something else special to that locker room. Like, I mean, just personality-wise, all of that. I mean, yeah. Just incredible. And so, I mean, I think uh, we all lost uh, a real good one over this past week. And I feel like... You know, we can all learn something from him, man. Just that jam, that that drive, that commitment. That I mean, uh, you know, you know, stuff's not always going to be good. Oh no! Whether you're dealt with it uh, before you're born or when, um, if it's dealt to you during life, you know, you can always overcome things. Yeah. And he and Joey Moss is a perfect, perfect. Is I, I actually would probably say the epitome of that. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And I love the article that I read. And basically, it I'm going to summarize it is right at the end. They had this big long quote, but he is basically the unsung hero. Yeah. Of the Edmonton Oilers, and I just love how, because yeah, no, I've read about how the community just knows him. Anybody that's even in Canada, yeah, they know him. Like anybody that's within the hockey community knows him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, You know, I mean, mean, if you're that deep rooted and embedded in a sport, invested in it, I mean, yeah, it's that is the best way that you can describe a guy in that kind of higher aspect is that he is the unknown, unsung hero that, well, and that was. He was a well-known unsung hero, and, yeah, he didn't even know it. Like, and he treated everybody like just, yeah, people. Yeah. And he, I love it. Uh, yeah, he had a day. passion. He stuck with the passion. Yeah. loved the passion. And so he never worked a day in his life, as we all like to say, right? Oh, yeah. Do something you love. You'll never work a day in your life. But, yeah, and all end of the day, in the words, you know, and from Cody itself, you know, depending on what you have going on, like, he just a great guy to just oh, yeah. have a, you know, a good, it's a good role model. I love yeah. also how Gretzky, when he got his number retired with the Oilers, he had him like front and center, right in front of him. Ah, so that's awesome. Yeah, no, and, and and between that and Ray Bork, that's probably one of the two times that I probably have actually like cried during like a you ceremony. Cried during the Niedermeyer ceremony. Oh, don't you lie. okay, yeah, I did. I did, I, I and the Korea. I, I was there. You. Yeah, the Eisman one too. Wow. Oh, get, get ease off, off it. it. <laughs> ease off it. But no, yeah, that, those are really actually two times that it, I actually cried because that was just a huge moment in sports history and just in those franchises, period. I'm uh, sorry, I'll get off my high horse. But, well, I'll tell you right now, uh, Joey, thank you for all that you've done for hockey, oh, yeah. for the community of people living with disabilities. and. And everything that you've done for the Oilers, so uh, good night, sweet Prince. Good night, sweet Prince. Yeah, I mean, you know, and uh, you know, Oilers community, his family, uh, our thoughts go out to you guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, um, Cody. All right, so uh, I guess we'll move on to a, a, a maybe a little more lighthearted subject now. Oh yeah. Um, so today, literally today, uh, the Dallas Stars released their. Uh, reverse. Oh, re- uh, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it must have been a 
something. Sorry. Well, it is October. If you have not seen The Exorcist, <laughs> puke. Yeah. Um, it was green pea soup. Charges. It was green pea soup. It's all right. <laughs> as neon green as these god awful things. Anyways, yeah. So the Dallas Stars released their reverse retro jerseys, and I'd be remiss if I did not say that they are absolutely awful. Can I go out on a limb? It's like if Monster and Laser Tag had a love child. Monster Energy Drink, and yes, yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> that lime green and black. It looks just like a Laser Tag jersey. Yeah, yeah there you no, go. it's like hit me right here, but you also have these points on the arms and all of that. But it's Monster Green. It's not the Victory Green. We talked it's, about that. It's like a neon like Victory Green, which is just. It's hard on I'm the just eyes. Gonna ask, I'm just going to say that. What kind of crack were, were, were the Dallas Stars smoking? Well, every year, oh, like, give me oh, that. Yeah, this is Maybe, it crack. Maybe it was just Molly, and they liked the idea of neon colors. Yeah, probably, man. Like uh, Apparently, they hired some club kids for like jersey redesign or really, something. This is a college group who decided to make these jerseys out of, out of you know Dallas Lubbock. I'm just like I'm sorry, you know. I'm all I'm I'm all for you know going out on a limb and trying something new, but uh, these things are just ugly. Neon colors are not hockey jerseys, you know. No, like the as we taught as I told told not to you guys about the uh, what was it uh, Tampa Bay Lightning the way that they did that faded like black to like gray. Yeah, that was to a point, all right. You know, it wasn't the best thing that they did, but it wasn't the worst thing that they could possibly do. I mean, come on, Dallas. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't even like it when, like, football teams do, like, no. neon colors. I think I just... Neon co- I just don't get it. I just no. do not get neon colors for, you know, anything, like, that's practical. I just don't get it. No. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Is you know aesthetically, it's not very pleasing. No, well, and it depends on like how you do it. The way that they did it, oh hell no! If you do like piping around like the emblem and stuff, yeah, well, doing like uh, the San Jose incorporates the orange. Yes, and, uh, exactly. But I mean, don't make it the entire like the 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 front runner. Like first thing you see is that fucking neon green. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. There's one thing I'm happy they did not do is make the neon green the solid part of the jersey instead of the trim. The, you, that could have been really bad. That's one. Th- yeah, that's like, how you literally lo- look like a freaking highlighter playing hockey. Yeah. That or you go snow blind by like looking at your TV because it's too bright or something. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Are there rules to how bright your uniform can be? Apparently not. Because <laughs> this one might be uh, touching touching the tip of that rule, if there was. Really, but, if this is how Dallas Stars is looking, I can't wait to see what Vegas comes out with. Well, oh, they already well, their, came their out with something. Their third jersey was literally just... <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, you Are could they probably be cold? Just straight like, cold? You, if you see the Ve- well, you, have you not seen the third jersey for the Vegas Golden Knights? It looks like if you saw one in person, you'd get a tan from it. It's what Cody's wearing. He's got a Vegas. He's got a Wild Bill. It's jersey. literally uh, it's like that the main gold color is this is gold the main the color. Armband. Yeah, I mean that is just insane to and me. Because no, I have not seen that. And now that you did explain it to me, I can't believe they actually. But if did you've it. seen the retro jersey, it's like all red, like the old Florida Panthers jersey. Possible, possible, possible. and right. it has the little. 
possible the shoulder patch is right on the front chest as a crest beast. It's like, oh my god. But I'll tell you what, both are super ostentatious. So I mean, they're insufferable. Ostentatious? <laughs> no, they are insufferable. Especially, as I said, if there's small accents of it, or kind of do like your black and grays like Carolina did for theirs. Yeah, that was awesome. I love those jerseys. It's like the Matrix made a hockey jersey. Yeah. No, no, no. Not it's even. Like... But no. Oh. The it's Dallas more stars. like Michael Egg made a, a hockey jersey. <laughs> if y'all don't know who I Michael thought he was Egg talking is, about, up, uh, I thought he was talking kids in the in, in, in the US <laughs> Dallas jersey. No, he was referring to the Dallas jersey. No, the Carolina jersey is done right. Yeah. Those were spelt. Those are awesome. But the way that Dallas went about it, I know it's all LED lights and stuff for downtown, but. Lay off it, man. Dicey at best. Oh, not even. Well, at best. Leave it at the door. All right. Uh, so I, I just wanted to get that off my chest. I like. <laughs> I don't know if Thank you can tell, but I'm not. I, I'm not a big fan of it. But uh, so let's move on. We're uh, we're talking like uh, lately. There's been some talk about possibly being a like bubble division. It's for next uh, season where there's... Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, so, <laughs> basically what you've got is uh, you've got four different divisions where, you know, I mean, obviously a number of teams would play in, in a bubble. Yeah. At one, either one stadium or they'd play across that whole entire, you know, continent or whatnot. So it's essentially what looks like you'd play everyone in your division a lot more than what you usually would have before. Well, and well there's, yeah. there's a lot of questions that arise here, too. So as, yeah. as uh, you can look at the map, and you can see that all of the American uh, Western Conference, just the American teams would play. All the Canadian teams would play each other, no matter, well, be in the same bubble. So all, all the Canadian teams would be in one bubble, and then obviously uh, the... Uh, the Metro Division would have a bubble, and then the Atlantic Division would also have a bubble. See, that, uh, but this raises a lot of questions for me, and the first one that I can think of is, what happens when a Western team has to play an Eastern team? Do you travel to one or the other bubbles? Yeah, no. how, how are you going to be going about that? That's what I'm wondering, because, I mean, it splits... It, it will, and we'll post this up, ladies and gents, online. But just the way that it's separated out, because some of the Western Conference teams are in different divisions than, and also same with the Eastern Conference. Yeah, teams. that's true. Uh, Chicago yeah. and St. Louis yeah. are, and Detroit as in, well. Yeah, well, <laughs> they Detroit's just, always been in the Eastern since the last change. And, you know, I think it's, this clearly is done on purpose. I think the idea behind that is you're going to be playing these teams multiple times, maybe through an 82-team schedule until you have the playoffs. Yeah. Um, uh, how do you build an 82-game uh, schedule when, you're, uh, when you have to play Eastern Conference as well? Uh, what I'm asking is when it comes to these Eastern Conference games, 
how do you choose the bubble? Do you? I do d- I've been trying to figure that out by looking at the map. I mean, or even even teams in your conference, like how would a, uh, an American Western Conference team play a Canadian Western Conference team if they're in uh, different bubbles? Oh, exactly. I mean, there'd be some modifications there. Obviously, you wouldn't just sit back and kind of hope that they just wouldn't what go at of, it. What kind of modifications? Well, do you I mean, you would definitely be? have to obviously look at the testing piece of this. I mean, testing every single day well, throughout the no part question. of that would have to be an issue. But I mean, when you look at you know how you bring these two conferences together at the end of the day, I mean, you'd have that's to. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, well, no, that's what I'm getting at. Is you, you mean you have to just match them up based on team by team. I mean, that's how you would have to do it. There's no other question about it. Is you would have to go through each individual game, team by team, and kind of play out that conference. Ooh. Do you realize how much work that is going to be? It's going to be a lot of work. And if the NHL hopes to start by January 1st, how in the world are they actually going to finish that, finish all of that work? So, you know how we usually, in the regular season face each Eastern Conference team two times. Home and away. Of course. So, depending on where it is, you just have it at a bubble. You have your Toronto and your Edmonton still, and then you figure out another bubble to where you can have all of the main Western and Eastern Conference teams. You get what I'm saying? Up the bubbles, wow. yeah. yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, and if you have to travel to that, you get extra lead time and also have to take a COVID test. It, well, it's like so... At this point, with, I mean, even the, the season starting in January, there is no lead time. Yeah. They don't have extra lead time. Well, They're no. also... They have to suspend the All-Star game and the Winter Classics because they don't have enough time anyways in the season. Yeah. If they're planning on finishing anywhere near where they usually finish... Well, I'm just saying lead season. time within the season to where, oh, okay, we're facing Minnesota, the Blue... You get what I'm saying? Oh, What I'm saying is they don't the have here. that time. Well... Not unless you want the season to run longer. But yeah. let, me, let me just focus on this point here. So the Canadian border and American border are closed off to each other. No matter what way or how right now, are players going to be able to fly from U.S. to Canada? Well, players were so, players were able to fly into Canada from the U.S. for the playoffs. I don't yes. think that's going to be a problem too much. No, this is... The NHL talk right now is there's been changes in between, obviously, what happened previously with COVID and the playoffs, what's oh, okay. happening now. There's been a lot of updates between that. And so what I've been reading is that, you know, NHL will almost, they are obviously, like, trying to decide if they want to just keep, like, an American League and a Canadian League, too, at the same time, because you can't cross the border. So there's lots of different <laughs> adaptions that can play into that. So there has been changes since the playoffs, but right now they're not even considering really trying to cross the border. I don't even, I don't even, uh, well, to have an American and Canadian league, that, that's even worse. We're not dividing up the leagues themselves, but we're talking about, you know, essentially kind of dividing up the conferences from who's in Canada and who's in America, too. Are we okay, going so, back to the WHA so talking, and the fucking NHL? Like, seriously. Uh, well, like, well, that's the thing. The thing is, is that, like, how, how can you expect, um, you know, seven Canadian teams to fill an 82 schedule when they're just playing them. Exactly. Like I think this develops over time too. Like obviously they want to try to do a start on January 1 but who knows what happens come you know March. 
I think April. they I think they've been planning this the whole entire time and that was what they came up with the playoff scheme. The whole entire playoffs helped them gain traction to what an idea is. I'm pretty sure what they did flawless. Like well, I mean, yeah, for for a playoff scheme, it was great. Absolutely. And I'm pretty sure that they could probably come up with the same scheme. You only have a certain amount of hub team, like hub cities, and you have those. Yeah. Those. Thus, thus brings on my next question is, will these players have to stay in these hubs for the entire season? I mean, I think so. I mean, if you're going to be playing the season and not risk anybody no. else getting sick, I mean, I, well, look at the look at the NFL right now. The guys are all God, going home. That, no, that thus raises a problem. How no, many of it these, does. How many of these married married hockey players with kids and families want to go stay for six months in a hub without seeing their family at all? No. At the no, same time, things could be modified. Families could be a part of that. You're just in a bubble the entire time. I mean, they, nobody gets to leave. Nobody well, gets to do anything, but you're with your family. How many, that, well, then this brings on the kids, next question. That's the, like, how everything. How many families are going to be down for that? I mean, yeah. kids have to go to school. Other, you know, wives have jobs, you know. Like, how, like that doesn't seem like a very sustainable uh, 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 option for me. No, I mean, like, God, that would be just, I'm just so hard. I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate, no, really. I'm trying to learn, uh, I'm just trying to look at it from well, all directions. And you here. know me, I'm trying to just think ahead. I don't think that they could do it, but I'm just on the opposite side, just trying to <laughs> just think. Well, I mean, all of us, we're just like, yeah, go stay in the Hub City. I want to watch hockey, you know? Yeah. But I mean, uh, there's a lot of there's definitely a lot of things to think about here, and um, I mean, with the, that's why I kind of think this whole like you know bubble division is a little problematic. It is maybe not a little, but uh, like quite problematic yeah. for a lot of different reasons. Oh yeah. Another cool. option they're thinking about is maybe limiting the number of games that teams play within these bubbles. Yeah. So maybe you don't get an 82 game season. Maybe you kind of just end up like you did last year. You finish up the season where it was, not at an 82 game season, and you play the playoffs again. Um, that's another possibility that I've been reading about. Yeah, uh, it works to like 62 or 42 games. I've, like I've MLB, even read. but yeah. you still you still got these guys staying in a hub. It's, it's not like they're going to be able to leave after the season is done. They're going to have to stay or move to. The bubble where the playoffs are. Yeah. So no matter what, even if you do shorten up the season, you guys, you got guys still not seeing your family, still not seeing your kids, still not being able to pretty much experience any other uh, realm except for the bubble that the NHL has set for them. I how many I... people, how many players are really going to go for that? God, No. Uh, As a player, mind. though, I look at if I was an NHL player, you know, this is this is the way you make your life. This is your living. This is how you pay your mortgage. You know, this is how you and the rest of your family, unless maybe give or take, some families are different. You know, this could be exactly how you make your living. And so, if it is, you know, you're like you know military people. You know, it's not the same. I understand different angles, but gosh, they go months and months and doing a job and come home. It looks like, you know, if you're an NHL hockey player, wherever that might be, you're going to be in a bubble for a while until things change. This is not a permanent solution at all. 
this is just, you know, something we have to do until things get better, until I think everyone's able to cope with, you know, the COVID situation right now. It's, uh, to me, it's dicey. I don't, I just, I really don't see a lot of hockey player, like a lot of players going for that. Not at all. I just, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point you made about, I mean, you know, military people go through all this, but I mean, when, when you're a hockey player and you signed a contract, you knew you were going to be going around a lot, but it was never understood that you were going to be sitting in a hub away from your family for six months, maybe eight months. And again, there might be an option for these players if they want to do it, they can. If they want to opt out, they can opt out. Um, You know, that's what happened with the NFL. Beginning of this year, they decided, you know, if some players wanted to opt out and not play it all this season, they can. I think that's up to each individual player and their personal family situation. I mean, they can opt out and play, they cannot play. Um, but at the end of the day, if you sign a contract and you're going to be playing a certain amount of games, I mean, if you're playing in a bubble, um, and you look at, you know, the contracts that you have with television and communications, I mean, things have to be done. You can't let these things go. So at the end of the day, if you love your sport, love your job, you're going to play. Um, but there's also an option for these players again to opt out too as well. And well, and then, sorry, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but so what happens when more players opt out? Rather than decide to play, uh, there might be there might be some repercussions in terms of their contracts, um, in terms of the NHL and how they view that team by team basis, player by player basis, how agents view it. So, what if like a Sidney Crosby decides to opt out, or an Alexander Ovechkin yeah. decide to opt out? Um, that's definitely a possibility. No one's taking it off the table. I mean, when that happens, I guess. Teams have to adapt, like the rest of America has to the virus. There's you, no. You don't you think know. there will be any sort of lashback? I mean, uh, look at MLB. There's been players that have opted out. There's been players um, NFL that have opted out for the entire year, and they have seen repercussions on their contracts for that for that one year. I mean, that's what happens if you decide not to play. That's a repercussion. Um, if you do decide to play, well, then hey, we're gonna fill your contract. The, the option is, is courts you can talk about is. Family time. Um, but then as a player, you know, you think about this. Is if I've done this for four months for playoffs and try and go to the bubble already, what's another two months? So there's another thing to think about on the player side too as well. Well, I mean, I, if you think, well, if, if you're thinking like a whole season in the bubble, it's going to be way more than just two months. So it's going to be like more like a majority That's of the It's going to be about five to six months at least. And if you end up going to the playoffs, it'll be even longer. Yeah, you have another three to four months on top of that. Of course. And then you look at the map right now, right? How it's sectioned off. Um, no one's no one's saying you can't go to a game and fly back to your house. No one's saying you can't do that yet. We're No one's just crossing borders. No one's trying to go into another state where there's a big flare-up of coronavirus and vice versa. No one well, says you can't go there, but I think on playoff time hits and... The season shrinks, maybe, and you know, well, that things kind of, that come, kind of, sorry. come right, condensed, right. but then maybe things will change a little bit. Yeah. Well, that kind of defeats the uh, whole idea of the bubble anyways. If you're letting players fly back and forth from yeah. home to the bubble, then why even have the bubble at that point? Again, it's looking at other leagues, like NFL, things like that, see how they're kind of doing things. You know, They're allowed to go home which, and fly back, go to practices, but again, NHL's different. We NHL was the first organization out of the Big Four to really have you know successful 
a championship award without having any COVID cases. Um, so there's one thing about the NHL they've done right. Look at other leagues. They have not done it right. There's been COVID cases in the NFL. Um, there's been COVID cases in the MLB. So, yeah, there could because be a big possibility players, you're going to be in a bubble. Because they travel. That mm-hmm. That's kind of like... Well, and they have free reign to go home yeah, and stuff no, like that. And that's so. because of that. I mean, no, if you're going to stick... I, I, as I said, I feel that the NHL has thought about this. And especially during the playoffs on how they're going to do this the next season. And I think it's going to be two main hub cities, and then there's maybe going to be one that's going to be intermediate between the two divisions on the east and the west. And then somehow it's going to work out. But either that or you're going to have everybody in the bubble again. I just don't see that being uh, being a viable option. Yeah. I don't see players being okay with that. I don't see coaches being okay with that. Uh, to be in a bubble for that long, it's just I just don't see it. Now another thing I was gonna say too is you know if if, if teams start having COVID cases arise like the NFL has, you know if you look at the Tennessee Titans, if you look at the Patriots, um, the league has come down on them on draft picks. They've fined them for not doing what you need to do as an organization to keep people safe. So, I mean, there is a way of doing things right. Maybe can maybe players can go back to their families. Maybe they won't. At the end of the day, I think each individual organization needs to be held accountable individually, not as seen as entity of the NHL. There's a thing there that it says, hey, you know, if you know if one organization, if all of these 32 organizations do things right but two don't, that doesn't say a whole lot about the league. It says something about organizational structure and how things are functioning. Oh, I'm not saying anything about how the league will deal with it. I'm just yeah. saying about how the players will deal with being secluded for yeah. so very long. Which I agree with that. As yeah. we talked about, it, they're going to do a six-month season, probably. And then, as we saw, it's going to be three to four months for playoffs. And they're going to be segregated from everybody. Exactly, and they've had time to think about this. There's plenty of options on the table. We're just looking at looking at the map now and how it is. Things that they're faced right now on paper. Um, but well, who's yeah. to say you know what happens in December is not exactly what the NFL is doing. NHL could copy that in some sort of function. And teams could have more freedom. They could not. They could be staying in a bubble. They could not. I mean, really, it's all just kind of seeing what it looks like on paper right now. So. Well, yeah, it's all basically just a hypothetical right it's now. But it's, right. it's definitely always good to look at I hope at that. they don't because the system that they had was working so good. Like, But, I mean, when you go from 24 teams to 16 teams, it's not a 31-team thing, you know. You're, you're dealing with hundreds of extra other people at that point you know oh yeah as the, you know with uh how they were dealing with, with it in the playoffs this is countless other people that you have to think about when you add another add a, the uh extra amount of teams that you didn't have in the playoffs yep and so, they've also already cleared them for like starting to do team practices and stuff like that oh i don't know that i, I just but, uh, i mean to me, this hypothetical bubble division is just completely impractical. Impractical, blah. <laughs> uh, so I, I, to so, in all reality, I really think the NHL would be looking at looking in a different direction 
rather than this. Yeah. But then again, I don't have a, a better, you know, a better option off the top of my head that they could do. No, I mean, none of us do. Which I mean, is unfortunate. That's, that's why I'm just throwing out ideas out into the wind. It's just like, well, it could be this, it could be that. Like, anything is possible. Yeah. It depends on how, as I said, I think that the playoffs kind of hopefully gave them time to think about how they're possibly going to do the situation. Yeah. And I think with how they did the playoffs, they can learn. That's a learning block, basically. Well, I mean, yeah. And not to diminish what the NHL did in the playoffs, because, I mean, zero cases in like a, a three month span is huge oh yeah that's absolutely insane and I mean and that's uh, bringing I, I commend... back people from like Russia Czechoslovakia like oh, well yeah from all, all their all home over. countries like even would, yeah which is I mean largely commendable so I mean I mean everybody wants to throw uh, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly underneath the bus but I mean their group really knocked it out of the park with the playoffs. Oh, yeah. No, they it's, did top-notch. It's just I don't see any realistic way of going about a bubble for a regular season. No, I don't either. As I said, I'm just throwing ideas out into the wind and just hoping they catch it, basically. Yeah, for real. Well, uh, whatever they choose to do, I really hope that it, it works out and you don't see these... Uh, many cases of COVID popping up during the season, like the NFL has and oh, no. the MLB and even, has, and even the NBA in the playoffs, they had a bunch of COVID cases. Yeah, yeah, in their playoffs, the, the NHL, it was all before, it was all pre, it was all well, yeah. the team, you know, practices and all that stuff. So yeah, and like I said, they did a stand-up job eradicating that in the playoffs. Let's. I mean, let's face it. I mean, someone's you, you're gonna get COVID eventually, or or somehow. I mean, somebody's going to. Oh yeah. But I mean, if they can really limit the amount of like uh, cases throughout a season, and however they do it, it's a you know it's a feasible and practical way. I'm all for it. But as of right now, it's just not looking like that right now. So hopefully. Nope. They can figure it out before January 1. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, they have a few months, too. That's... The offs are over. <laughs> I mean, you, you got you to gotta imagine that they've been thinking about this. I mean, even, uh, even since they were working on the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it was kind of like a preemptive strike or something in the back of their head since then. And I think they might have, with the playoffs, as I reiterated, that they've just fine-tuned it oh, yeah. hopefully beauty learning curve for sure yeah. i mean they did they did 100 percent well uh i mean a plus on their part for sure yep. so i don't know we'll have to we'll we'll keep an eye on this and we'll keep you updated well uh hopefully they figure it out so today i think we're gonna look at i mean we we've, we've been talking a lot about this year's draft and uh this this free agency I think we're going to look, uh, today we're going to look at uh, last year's uh, rookies that actually played in the in the show. Oh, yeah. So we're talking like Jack Hughes, Capo Caco, you know, like all the all the big, uh, you know, um, draft uh, draftees of last year, drafters, wait, draftees, draft, draftees, draftees, draftees of last year. So, um, yeah, I think we're just going to go around and, you know, say, 
who we were impressed with and, and who wasn't. Yeah, so, but we kind of just talk about, you know, expectations. Were they what we expected them to be on their teams? And if so, we'll elaborate on that a little bit. And then, you know, from there, we'll talk about things that maybe um, disappointed us and kind of talk about, you know, where things could lead and things people could improve on as well. So um, from here, I guess, Cody, let's go for it. Well, uh, I mean, obviously, if, you know, you're a big NHL guy, you know, uh, you know about Jack Hughes. Um, to me, Jack Hughes was a total dud. Total dud. I mean, his brother over in Vancouver, Quinn, huge season. I mean, obviously, Calder Trophy uh, candidate. And oh, yeah. um, Jack Hughes was supposed to be this kind of guy that comes into the league and completely just you know shines and honestly i i was very disappointed with uh jack hughes i mean i think maybe 10 goals in in his first season and i mean oh we uh, you got other you got other rookies in the league that are uh surpassed that had surpassed well, look at a couple of years ago you know you had you had brock, you know, brock bessier and elias peterson and Besser, yeah, Besser and Pedersen. And these guys, you know, they come into the league and just lit it up. So I agree with you. You know, there's a little bit of Hughes. Um, definitely should have did a little bit better. I mean, in terms of goal scoring or, you know, just being able to assist people a little bit more, playmaking ability, those kinds of things. You know, I think in pretty, you know, um, especially, you know, Pedersen. You know, there's a big difference there. Uh, yeah, when Pedersen. 100%. But I was very impressed, you know, Quinn Hughes, though. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the other. Yeah. <laughs> so he had pretty much a raw point total, uh, especially blue liners. You know, since Lidstrom and his rookie campaign. You know, I mean, he's made the strongest case. I mean, top rookie year. I mean, he was probably the best of the best besides Kale McCarr. I mean, the guy came out and he was literally what you asked for in a rookie. I mean, he paired up with every single line mate he had on there this year. So I'm really, really happy with Quinn Hughes. Well, and what's huge about Quinn Hughes is, you know, last year Vancouver really didn't have that strong of a defensive core. No, they didn't. So, I mean, he's seen really big uh, minutes. Er, I mean, as a rookie, he's seen huge minutes. And, I, and I, I'll say it till the day I die, coming into the league as a rookie defenseman rather than a forward is always 100 times tougher. Yep. So, I mean, from, from what, I mean, yeah, obviously uh, – Quinn Hughes was drafted a year before, so he, you know, he had a little bit of time to really, uh, you know, kind of like watch the game and uh, get get a little stronger before he made his NHL debut. Debut. And, you know, I mean, that gave him some time, and obviously his brother Jack got thrown into the fire, but uh, I, I would definitely agree with you. The better Hughes this year was definitely Quinn Hughes. Yeah. And, I mean, speaking of being thrown into the fire, um, my next, you know, pick would be Kale McCarr. I mean, his first two games was against the Flames. Talking about being thrown into the fire. like In the playoffs. <laughs> in the playoffs. And the guy, like, literally his first game ever came in, had an assist, and a goal. Yep. You know, uh, and to be completely honest with you, Kale had a kind of a slow start to the season. I remember, I remember watching 
early Avs games, and he was definitely gripping the stick way too hard. Yeah, we talked about that when we went to the Avs games. It's like, dude, you need to not just clinch on that stick. Just kind of just go with the flow, well, you definitely. know? Well, and you got you to gotta think, you know, the adrenal, adrenaline levels are totally different. I mean, you just came off of, you know, playing in the Frozen Four, and not even uh, a couple of days later, you're... You're put into an avalanche sweater and, and in a playoff game, nonetheless. Like, hey, uh, hey, kid, go out there and show us your stuff. Yeah. You I mean, are that's in the yachts. Get the hell out there. That is adrenaline at its it finest. I mean, I mean, I mean, playing in, playing in the NHL is an adrenaline rush as enough as it is. But I mean, when when you're coming into like the start of a season and it's not as critical that you play so out of this world. Yeah. It's, you know, it's definitely not the same as hopping right and uh, hopping right into a playoff game in your home in your home province nonetheless as well. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, and so and, and, I mean, I, I I will say that it did take him a little bit to really kind of like calm down and really find his game, but uh, once he did he did. He had a very, very Smoke slow show. start. Oh, yeah, God. Absolutely. Very Smoke slow start. It, 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 oh, that, I, I think it was either my buddy Corey or my dad that I just all of a sudden, Kale McCarr scored his first goal, and I was just crawling all over him, screaming, just. Oh, I think, I think every yeah. Avs fan was. I mean, I'm trying to lift here. him up at the same time. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's the first period you score a goal. Yeah. In your first playoff game, in your first NHL game, yeah. as a rookie, your first night ever. Like, what a feeling. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Only only so many people can really say that they've done something like but that. But I thought he was just after, after his, you know, when he went through the Frozen Four and came to the the NHL I thought he was just gonna lose a little bit of poop you know he wouldn't he had it was no oh god it was like from it it's not even like he went from college to the professionals it was like he was playing playing in the professionals just all a natural, entire time man. just a natural yeah. gamer yeah and uh well you know what's unfortunate I'm gonna, it's gonna bring me to my next rookie that I want to talk about is John Marino in Pittsburgh <laughs> what I mean, uh, he, the kid, uh, like, I mean, you're really kind of, like, running uphill when you've got guys like Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes yeah. ahead of you. I mean, obviously, all the focus. It's yeah, so all be, rookies in shifts per game is, this year. Yeah. Well, I was going to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, when you're kind of behind those two, you don't really get a lot of the spotlight. But I got to say... Marino in in Pittsburgh, he was he was incredible. He played really well, had an incredible point streak going for him, and just like you said, Marino led all rookies in shifts that year. So that's huge. I mean, for uh, oh, to to come in as a rookie and lead all rookies in, in especially on the back end. That's huge. huge. Yeah, and he's playing five minutes plus a period. He averaged twenty minutes per game. I mean that's not that's no slack. I mean that that is Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes minutes. Yeah. But I mean, uh, you know, you, you didn't really hear much about him because of those two names, which is you know uh, understandable. Obviously, you're looking at these hotshot, these two hotshot rookies that are battling now for the Calder Trophy. But yeah, John Moreno, I mean, he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a player, man. And I think that was a great uh, great draft by uh, Pittsburgh. Really? Yeah. No, he is. He had 26 points in his rookie year as a defenseman. 
You Cute. can't ask for much more. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't mean to giggle, like, out of, like, oh. Yeah, how, no, it was like, how could we forget about him? <laughs> oh, it's easy. It really is. Yeah, I mean, no, <laughs> like, I felt like a dummy. <laughs> no, and, but, I mean, you got you to gotta give the kid props. And, you know, he, as long as he stays on the right path, continues to develop, and just ke- keeps playing the way he does, I mean, there's really no ceiling for that kid. Well, and if we're going with no ceiling, how about Kubelik? Uh, Dominic Kubelik, wow, what a what like a what a wild good choice, Ross. Good choice. Like man. seriously, no, he. I didn't think he was gonna be jack shit. Honestly, this year, I'm sorry, Dominic Kubelik, but I, I love you. I love your work. I've seen it before the show, but I mean, yeah. He comes in, and he basically stood on his head, and he just helped the Hawks out to get to where they were, basically, in the playoffs and actually in the show last year. And, I mean, let's well, let's talk about that because, I mean, uh, Alex Debrinkit, you know, his uh, his next season, the, his past season, was a very forgettable season after the, after the one he had before. Oh, easily. And so... For Dominic Kubelik to come in and step into that goal scorer's kind of role, that's huge. That's gigantic. I mean, you, I, I mean, he was no sh- slouch in HC uh, Ambri Piotta. I mean, 50, 50 games, 25 goals, 32 assists. Right. Comes I mean, into the show, 68 games, 30 goals, 16 assists. Well, and, and one thing I love about Kubelik is that, and I love his last name, it's fun to say, but... He wouldn't get, like, the wide-open pockets, boys. He would find the nitty-gritty spots, and he would just rifle it home. He did. He gets the puck kind of at an alarming rate. He always gets the puck on his stick, you know, through hard passes in the corner, wherever it is. He gets these hard passes. He's well, always getting the puck. That's evidence of a high hockey IQ. If, oh, yeah. If, see, the thing is, is if you always end up getting the puck on the stick... You know where to go in the right oh, places. Yeah. You know like, where to find the spots to be, where the puck can find you. And that is Dominic Kubelik yeah. in a nutshell. He's like a weird, like, I don't know, don't quote me, I guess, like a weird two-way grinder. I like, mean, in a sense. Well, he's a good two-way forward in yeah. general. You but know? just overall, he's well, just, he just he grinds I mean, on each end. The he's had, always there. What was it? 30 goals, you said, Cody? Yeah, And, goals, and that's, a, that's a nice assists. plateau. I mean, it's a great plateau oh, to have rookie? 30 goals yeah. as a rookie. And keep that on mind, he topped all first-year rookies with that goal tally. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, it, it, even he snuck into the uh, Calder candidate running. I mean... Oh, yeah. And I, what's what's ridiculous about that is that a lot of people were surprised that he was even considered. How, how good... I'm like, dude, have you been watching this kid? This is just insane. Like, I was at first, and then I started, like, paying attention to him after you mentioned something about him. I'm like, where the hell? Yeah. Like, you got your tanks, you got your canes, but the Kubalik is just coming in clutch, like, day in and day out. Well, that just comes uh, comes with the territory, like, the same as, you know, the uh, Moreno, uh, the Moreno oh, instance, yeah. you know? Everybody's looking at uh, Jack Hughes and Capo Caco, but then uh, over here, this kid Kubelik is just tearing up tearing up the league. So can we go on, a like, a downslope with Capo Caco since... 
in New York, especially now, I mean, where they they got the first overall pick, and uh, I, I mean, they're really starting to build a team there. I so I think no, that's that's where I got that from. In, my bad. In the very least, I mean, Kapokakos numbers can definitely go up. I think. I mean, oh, yeah. a uh, you know you walk in, you're uh, you're not the uh, all all eyes on rookie. It's your second year. Uh, Alexei Lafreniere now has to be the one to prove his name. So basically, I think uh, when it, when you talk about Jack Hughes and Capo Caco, I think Capo Caco has more of a ceiling than Jack Hughes does. Oh, easily, dude. Unless unless New Jersey can get really serious about building up their team. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Yeah, Jersey has a long way to go. Yeah, I agree. Well, and it's I, even, even same with the Rangers. Like, well, you know, to be completely honest with you, I mean, getting uh, Artemi Pernera and having Capo Caco and now having a, uh, the likes of an Alexi Lafreniere also uh, adding to the lineup, I think they're a little further along than New Jersey for sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. Seoul. We'll go with uh, one of uh, Keats' favorites after this one, Elvis Mischlikens. I mean, good for him. Good, he had a whale of a season after. I mean, so oh, many, uh, so many games going without even a win. Yeah. I mean, after that, you know, you you almost kind of look at your own self and you're like, am I really even ready to play uh, in the NHL? Well, and then and, he stood on his head. Oh yeah, in I the mean, playoffs, absolutely. He Abs- said well, he was. He set an NHL NHL record at that point. He's under the age threshold too, and he had you know over a point nine two three save percentage. That's just insane. <laughs> That's less than a goal of the game. Basically a goal a game at that. I mean, there's a reason why Keats loves him so much. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the Latvian influence is a huge part, but, I mean, the kid's a solid goaltender. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, as long as he, he keeps getting that cut and he keeps playing like he is, I mean, there's a there's a huge upside to Merzlikens. I mean, uh, maybe he struggled a little bit in the playoffs when he got those two games. Yeah. Well, right. first game he comes in and, and he puts uh, puts a shot out, shot out, up, but the the next game not so much. But uh, I mean, the kid's young. Oh the kid's yeah. Young. Speaking well, of shutouts, he had five shutouts out of thirty three starts. Yeah. Yeah. But Huge. still, for a rookie, just for him to come out, just yeah, and just do what he did. Oh my god. And speaking of rookies in the playoffs, Thatcher Demko. Coming in and coming up huge for the Vancouver Canucks when yeah. uh, Markstrom went down. Yeah. I, ju- I do want to give a tip of the hat to Thatcher Demko as well. I mean, that that's huge. Yep. I mean, in the playoffs, like very, uh, very uh, do or die games. Good on you, Thatcher. I, I, I got to say that. And obviously, they're going to uh, they're gonna maybe look at uh, he's going to be joined with Braden Holtby this year. So, Hopefully, under Holpe's tutelage, he can just get better. No, oh, yeah. Exactly. Well, I think that was a pretty sweet uh, epi, boys. I think, uh, uh, what do you got for shot? Sh- sh- Shout sh- outs. Can I talk tonight? Please. Uh, I can't talk for shit tonight. <laughs> All right. Sh- Shout outs, uh, Russ. Well, I mean, just to. Everybody that's listening, um, even our newcomers, uh, 
I think we've gotten a few new countries here. Um, we did. It's pretty cool. We're actually, yeah, uh, it's actually surprising countries too, like Singapore, New Zealand, yeah. Sri Lanka, Mexico. That's pretty sweet, man. So, so shout I've, out to our boys out there or gals. I mean, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, um, and everybody else, especially um, you guys, are what keeps this going. Uh, we love what we do, and um, I mean, take it away, Bryce. Yeah, shout out to you know, our boy Daniel and Mariantha. You guys are, you know, going through a little bit of a hard time. We just want to wish you all both the best. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, and again and also, you know, really big shout out again to um everyone at the Edmonton Oilers, their family, yeah. um, their whole organization base. Lots of Joe. It's it's a horrible and you know, with you guys and on top of that, you know, just a big shout out to my family and friends and the boys at the Beaks and Beer Nation. Yeah, um, yeah, I want to say always a huge thank you to my beer nation, big, uh, um, also dog nation always, and uh, I do want to take the time to throw a huge shout out to our boy Keith Sanders. Yeah. Um, if you guys have noticed, he hasn't been around, and unfortunately, he's going to be taking some time. Uh, you know, just working out, uh, uh, trying to work up that uh, life and work life trying to deal with all that and uh he is he is working on a, a little bit of a new podcast here uh it's uh it's definitely for all you goalies out there it's called between the pipes podcast <laughs> and i just want to say thank you to him because uh yeah. with, without him a lot of this a lot of this would never even well any of this really wouldn't be possible i mean just uh doing getting Equipment, you know, doing editing and yeah. pu- putting uh, his heart into that. On top of that, you know, kind of project. take over his job here a little bit, and he's been a great job, a uh, great, you know, teacher and teaching me how to kind of take over things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's showing us a lot of stuff. A, so, someone of a superhero, he's a firefighter, he's got a world to save too, and he's got a busy job. So, I just want to say thank you, Keats, and uh, definitely check out his podcast, Between the Pipes Podcast. You've got an Instagram right now. Well, he's got an Instagram right now. So check that out. And thank you to Keats. And thank you to all our listeners. And uh, we'll see you.